0: And welcome to another episode of Conversations of the Way. My name is Carlos. I am your trusty host, as always. And um, we got another one for you. Um, Last episode was about reading the preface of your Bible and the importance of that, because we find some clues, we can find um, some guidance. On how to better understand the version of the Bible that you're reading, a uh, few things get lost in translation and transliteration, like we discussed. But just because that is the case, it doesn't mean that you know we just decide that it's, oh, it's just too confusing, and um, you know I'll let the experts deal with that, and I'll just um, I'll just listen to whatever they tell me, and I'll just do as they tell me. And that, I think it's not a very good approach, in my humble opinion. I'm not saying you can't listen to anyone. Obviously, you listen to this podcast. But you're responsible for your relationship with him. You're responsible for your salvation, not somebody else. When your time of judgment comes, when my time of judgment comes, it's going to be you and him. No one else. You cannot say, you know, Billy or Susie told me otherwise, so that's why I did it. Yes, there's grace and mercy but you know if you're listening to this you have that responsibility to open up that bible to open up the scriptures and get to have a relationship with him because that's the only way okay so i'm speaking to myself by the way every time i say these things it's a reminder to myself and that's one reason i you know i love doing the podcast it it, it helps me you know keep going at it and being persistent being consistent and and reaching out to him even when life gets tough, even when there's this heavy yoke being placed upon the world, uh, the world pays that heavy yoke on me. Uh, but, you know, he's, his, his yoke is light, and it's good, and, you know, it's not too difficult to do. So, we're going to talk about um, the scriptures themselves and the importance of actually reading them, and we're going to use uh, a story from the Bible. So the title of this episode is Dust of Your Bible. Now, you know, when I was a kid, I always used to see my grandfather's reading. One was always reading the newspaper and the other one was reading a leather bound book. I would also see other members of my family reading like fiction books. And I thought I was like, man, that was so cool and interesting. Um, You know, as these were men that I admired and I respected them as intellectuals. They were all well-spoken, and they can talk to you about a variety of subjects. They were very quiet eloquent. I wanted to be like them, but I did not enjoy reading like they did. I only read what I was told to read in school and occasionally read a fiction book here and there, if it was around. That included the reading of the scriptures. I would open the good book when I was mostly born, or had a moment of curiosity and I would flip the Bible from book to book looking for a fun story to entertain me. I understood it was a book of history, a nonfiction book, a book about God, but I may have treated it a little bit like a fiction book. Eventually in my early 20s I picked up the reading book. At first I consumed all the nonfiction books I can get my hands on, mostly military and history books. Then, I went through a season of fiction books that were a mix between, like, real-life history. Now, during this time, I did occasionally read the Bible in the same manner that I did before. I would read the good book out of boredom, curiosity, or when I was having a hard time with my life. But as soon as those hard times went away, I forgot about the Word of God and just went back to my normal habits. Now, can you relate to my story in any way? When was the last time you read his word? Now, these questions are not to make you feel bad. But we all should be asking ourselves this. If we have been reading his word and if we have been spending the time with him and having a relationship with him. If we want to have a good relationship with our friends and family, how do we do it? One way is to spend time with them. We spend time with our Heavenly Father by being in prayer and by reading His Word. If we don't read His Word, we tend to forget about Him and we forget about His ways. We are not the only ones that have forgotten to read His Word. Today, we're going to have a conversation about King Josiah, as spoken in 2 Kings. But before we go into his story, let us go refresh ourselves on what's going on with Israel before he became a king. Let's start with First Kings. King David passes away, and his son Solomon takes reign. Solomon then prays to God for wisdom and is greatly pleased God. With this wisdom, Solomon amounts great wealth. With this great wealth, he builds a temple. The temple gets furnished and then brings the ark to the temple. Things were going good until chapter 11 when Solomon turns away from God. And you can read for yourself why. It was not for anything small. Because Solomon turned away from God, he no longer had his protection. Adversaries came against Israel, and the kingdom is split in two. From here on out, Israel goes into what you can consider a civil war. And it only gets worse. Eventually, the northern kingdom called Israel goes into captivity by Assyria. The same thing happens to the southern kingdom, Judea, but unlike the southern kingdom, Judea comes back to the land. There's a lot going on between 1st Kings and 2nd Kings. I highly advise you to read these books once as just as a very dramatic story. One filled with empires and dynasties rising and falling. Stories of deceit and death. I mean, the movies of today have nothing on these books but also go back and read these books with understanding of the implications when we remove God, the Word, from our lives and what happens when we decide to go back to it, to the Word. And this will lead into the man I wanted to speak about, King Josiah. Let's start in chapter 18 to get some context by understanding this man's background. I'm going to give you a short resume of Josiah's forefathers, going back three generations, starting with his great-grandfather, King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was 25 years old when he started to reign the kingdom of Judea. He reigned for 29 years, and according to Second Kings chapter 18, verse 3, he did what was right in the eyes of God, according to all that David his father had done. End quote. So, what did he do that was so right? I see three things that he did in verses 4-6. through six. He removed false worship from his life in the land, he trusted in God, and he kept the commandments. Because of this, it says in verse 7 that he prospered wherever he went. In Second Chronicles, starting in chapter 29, we see that he also restored temple worship. Organize the priesthood, and starts keeping the feast to include the Passover given to Moses by God. He then gets into it with the king of Assyria, but eventually God will come and win the battle for his people. The Assyrians mocked and defied the Elohim of Israel, starting that no nation or no other god has defeated them and that Judea will be no different. Now, that was a bad move on their part. King Hezekiah then goes into prayer after hearing this. The prophet Isaiah asserts the fall of the Assyrians, and then God sends his angel to strike down a 185,000 Assyrians. This is a great lesson to not mock the Elohim of David. Sadly, even after doing so many things right in his life, King Hezekiah fumbled at the end. He first gets sick, and wrath came upon him. And it appears that this was for God to show him that his heart was proud, as we can see in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 25. Thankfully, in the next verse, we see that he humbled himself, and so did the inhabitants. Because of this, wrath did not come upon them during the rest of his reign. He made another mistake by allowing the Babylonians to come into the kingdom, and he showed them all that they had. This was a test from God, as we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. This will come to bite them eventually, as prophesied by Isaiah. I think this is a great lesson to not let strangers, just any average person, come into your private life. Hezekiah dies, and his 12-year-old son Manasseh begins to reign. Hezekiah might have fumbled at the end of his life, but his son reversed everything that his father had done. He erected the altars of other gods like Baal and Asherah. He even went as far as burning his own son as an offering to those gods and did other abominations as fortune-telling and used mediums and necromancers. Things that even now we know that we should not partake in. It got so bad that according to chapter 21 verse 9, They did more evil than the nations who God destroyed before the people of Israel. God will then denounce his idolatry, but they would not listen. Because God says he disciplines those he loves, as stated in Hebrews 12, verse 6 and Proverbs 3, verse 12, he brings the Assyrians upon them, and they capture them. Manasseh, in his distress, repents from his ways, humbles himself in front of God, and the heavenly Father brings him out of captivity. Finally, recognizing who was his Elohim, he reverses everything that he had done, but the damage was done already, and the people of Judea were still having a hard time breaking away from the things they were doing before Manasseh repented. You can read this in detail in Second Chronicles chapter thirty three verse fourteen through seventeen. More was prophesied about what was going to happen to Judea because of this idolatry, and eventually Manasseh dies. His son Amon takes over the reign over, over Judea at the age of 21, but only reigns for two years. This king was no different than his father as stated in 2 Kings chapter 21. Verses 20-21. to 21. He only reigns a short time because his his servants, his own servants, put him to death. A big difference in Ammon's reign that unlike his father and grandfather, he did not humble himself unto God. His forefathers may have done many kinds of wickedness and abominations, but at least they humbled themselves at some point and repented by turning back to the ways of God. I have heard and felt that we see the God of the Old Testament as an angry and vengeful God, and we see the one the New Testament as graceful and merciful. After reading the Old Testament in more detail, I personally see plenty of grace and mercy. We have seen it so far in this story. Josiah, Amon's son, took over the reign at age eight. Now, I'm not sure how much leadership you can provide at 80 years old, but he ended up being king for 31 years. And just like his great-grandfather, he did right in the eyes of God and walked in all the ways of David. He also did the same that that he did repairs to the temple. Now, while the work was being done, the high priest in chapter 22, verse 8, finds the book of the law. It does appear that the high priest knew the importance of this book, but not everyone. On verse 10, the secretary tells the king that the priest has given him a book. He said, a book, not the book or the book of the law. It sounds like the secretary is just referring to it like any other book until he started reading it to the king. After hearing the words of the book, King Josiah asked the priests and others to inquire of God about this book, because, as stated in verse thirteen, the king says, "For great is the wrath of God that is kindled against us, because our Father have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us End quote. Well, God did not have a good response at the beginning; God said, because they had forsaken him and made offerings to other gods, he was going to bring wrath upon Judah. Verse 18. Thankfully, because he is graceful and merciful, verse 19, God says that the king's heart was penitent, or to say, regretful and sorrowful, and because the king humbled himself before God, he, God, will bring peace upon the land, but just during King Josiah's reign. I believe that this is just as important to us, that even when we have deviated from God's ways, if we regret what we have done, if we truly repent from our wicked ways, he will bring forgiveness and peace into our lives. After this, Josiah brought all the people of Judah to listen all the words of the book. He then made a covenant to God in chapter 23, verse 3, saying that he would walk after God and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that is written in his book, and all the people join the covenant. End quote. This is also for our lives. Once we have recognized that we have strayed from his ways, and we have repented, we then must go and walk after his ways. This is what it means to have a relationship with him and to have a covenant with him. We cannot just ask for forgiveness and keep walking in unrighteousness. And Josiah strays away from this. He goes and removes the vessels made for other gods like Baal and Asherah and burned them outside of Jerusalem as some of his fathers had done. Side note, it was interesting to do an interesting search of Baal and Asherah if you want to go down that path. Just horrible imagery. So, just like Josiah, we must must also remove from our lives those gods that we worship. Now, I understand that we do not think we worship other gods in the same sense. But we must pray to our Heavenly Father to show us what things are we placing first in our lives instead of God that are equivalent of idol worshipping. There was so much idol worshipping in Judah that King Josiah even got rid of things in, in a particular valley because people were burning and sacrificing their children to the god Molech. Now, that sounds crazy, but this is what can eventually happen if we slowly remove the word of God from our lives. Can you think of actions now that can be considered child sacrifices, even if it appears is not being done to a god? After he got rid of all the altars made for other gods, Josiah goes on to restore the Passover like his great-grandfather had done as well. And there is peace in the land as God had promised. But God promised peace for Josiah and Judah, as they reaped the benefits of Josiah's righteousness. But God also had to keep the promise that wrath would come upon Judah because of all the wickedness caused by Manasseh, King Josiah's grandfather, as we already mentioned in chapter 22, verse 17. You can read more of this in detail in Second Chronicles chapter 35, starting on verse 20. Final thoughts. There is so much more to unpack in this story. For the most part, I have... A general idea of what I want to talk about with you guys, but sometimes God takes me on a ride. The title of this conversation was about reading our Bible, how we should not depart from it. When King Josiah heard the word and put it into practice, it changed the course of his reign. God does not change his mind. He already had stated that he would bring wrath upon Judea. But because he saw Josiah read all that was written in the book and that then he humbled himself, God put a pause into that wrath. So that is for sure a great reminder that we need to keep his word in us in a daily basis. We need to be reading it and studying it so we understand what it is to walk in his ways and not turn to wickedness. The people of Judea did not wake up one day and started sacrificing their children to other gods. It was a slow process throughout generations until one day they were in full blown idolatry. We see God through grace and mercy give them opportunity upon opportunity, but they went back to wickedness. Did you see how God's forgiveness came? The things, the kings acknowledged their wickedness. Okay, that was one. Then they humbled themselves. At least three of the four we talked about. Then they repented, which is teshuva in the Hebrew, which means to turn away from wickedness. Then they did what was right in the eyes of God. In other words, they walked in His ways and they destroyed the altars of idolatry. We must also do the same. Let's humble ourselves every day understanding that we also deserve His wrath. But that is through his but that through his grace and mercy we are allowed to live another day. Let us hold strong to the scriptures and let us not let them collect dust in a corner of our homes and our hearts. I'll leave you with Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing to the word of Christ. End quote. All right guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope that these words have been embedded in your heart and in your mind, and it has motivated you and encouraged you to pick up your Bible. It doesn't have to be a whole study or complicated. You know my advice, if, if you're not very well very well versed just start in proverbs and read one proverb a day. So, the you know, the month usually has, you know, 30 to 31 days. If today is November the 8th, then read Proverbs 8. November the 12th, read Proverbs 12. 15th the 15th and so on and so on. If you you know, are a little bit more well versed and you know, you want to build up on that relationship, then my suggestion personally would be to start in Genesis one one. And the reason why is because you can't fully understand the whole book unless you start in chapter 1. And I've, and I've talked about this before. You pick up any book. You don't start in the middle of it or three quarters of the way into it. You start in page 1. And this book is no different. Okay, Now, that doesn't mean that later on you can't go from book to book or verse to verse or anything like that. But if in order to truly understand it, you have to start in Genesis 1. Alright everyone, go ahead and read that Bible, enjoy it, put it in your heart and your mind, and just reap the blessings of the Good Father. Until next time.